0: Uh, Congratulations to one and all who have come out on this cold day uh, braving the chill to uh, be here for Lectio Divina and also greetings to all of those who are following us on Salt and Light and to our friends in Oshawa who are watching this and participating in Lectio Divina through the live streaming of it. We come together on this day of the Epiphany to meditate upon a very important part of the book of Sirach or Ecclesiasticus which speaks to us of some very, very practical matters of daily life. Uh, It gives us the nitty gritty of how we deal with problems, problem people, problem situations. This is the kind of uh, down to earth wisdom which we really treasure. And it's something that people seek in many different ways. The kind of wisdom which we get in today's portion, chapter eight is basically called prudence. And prudence does not mean being timid. Prudence means the virtue of making good decisions. Prudence, temperance and uh, fortitude and all the different uh, justice. These are the cardinal virtues, not because many cardinals have prudence, justice, temperance and fortitude. I can't speak for that, but because they are the hinges upon which uh, our life, our natural life runs. They're basically wisdom. Prudence means the virtue of making wise decisions. And that's basically what we find in the portion of the book of Sirach, which we read today. And we need that, all of us do, because we can often say foolish things and do foolish things, which we regret after. You know, life is so short and it takes so long for us to learn how to live wisely. But I think it's important for us as we meditate upon the portion this evening To recognize that at least in some parts, we sometimes have to let this practical wisdom go by the wayside. Because there's always this balance or this relationship between wisdom and prophecy. Wisdom tells us what is sensible to do. And if we don't know that, we're in deep trouble. But prophecy speaks to us of speaking the word of God in the midst of a fallen generation amidst of an imperfect world. Sometimes what is not wise is the prophetic thing to do. We need to speak truth to power and things of that nature, but we need to do it wisely. And so the two of them come together. And I think we see that in the readings today. The portion of uh, Sirach, which we're going to be meditating upon, is that kind of down-to-earth wisdom. And it's the kind of thing we see in the how-to books in any bookstore. Uh, of, for example, like How to Win Friends and Influence People, things of that. It was one of the big bestsellers of all time. Or a very early form of it, which uh, I'm almost ashamed to say I own a copy. I won't say whether it's a well-thumbed copy or not. There's a little book called The Art of Worldly Wisdom. It's by Balthasar Gracian. And um, he was uh, actually, he was a Jesuit priest, lived in the 1600s. And uh, he he does end his 300 little wise sayings with, in a word, what we need to do is to be saints. So we've got, he's got the right idea there. But as he gets to that 300th saying, he is, uh, there's all this kind of canny, shrewd, wise, sometimes a bit cynical wisdom, which is a little disconcerting at times. That's the kind of thing we find in, um, in the book of Sirach. I'll just give you a little taste of this kind of similar type of wisdom. Never set to work at anything if you have any doubts about its prudence. A suspicion of failure in the mind of the doer is proof positive of it in that of the onlooker, especially if he is a rival. Very often in wisdom writing we're thinking of people who are, don't have our best interests, let say, in their own heart, and we see that at the end of today's portion. If In the heat of action, your judgment wavers. It will afterwards in cool reflection be condemned as folly. Action is dangerous when prudence is in doubt. Better leave such things alone. Wisdom does not trust in probabilities. It always marches in the midday light of reason. Think, think of what we're doing. How can an enterprise succeed which the judgment condemns as soon as it was conceived. If resolutions passed unanimously by an inner court often turn out badly, what can we expect of those undertaken by a doubting reason and a vacillating judgment? So that's the kind of very practical thing we see this evening in this portion, chapter eight of the book of Sirach. We may pray that we will in our lives, act wisely, but also always have as the context for our wise and prudent action, a heart that is set on the prophetic word of God, the word that burns and cuts through all of our earthly desires and the word of God that is like a two-edged sword. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Let us turn away from those things within our hearts, which burden us, which cause us to be so caught up in things that are not important, any barriers, rocks within our heart that are preventing the love of the Lord and the word of the Lord from coming in along the pathway to our hearts. away with all those sins which so darken our reason and make us fools. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Speak, Lord. Your servant is listening. Show me, Lord, what these words will say to my head that I may know you, to my heart that I may love you, to my hands that I may serve you. Do not contend with a powerful man, lest you fall into his hands. Do not quarrel with a rich man, lest his resources outweigh yours. For gold has ruined many and has perverted the minds of kings. Do not argue with a chatterer, nor heap wood on his fire. Do not jest with an ill-bred person, lest your ancestors be disgraced. Do not reproach a man who is turning away from sin. Remember that we all deserve punishment. Do not disdain a man when he is old, for some of us are growing old. Do not rejoice over anyone's death. Remember that we all must die. Do not slight the discourse of the sages, but busy yourselves with their maxims because from them you will gain instruction and learn how to serve great men. Do not disregard the discourse of the aged, for they themselves learn from their fathers, because from them you will gain understanding and learn how to give an answer in time of need. Do not kindle the coals of a sinner lest you be burned in his flaming fire. Do not get up and leave an insolent fellow, lest he lie in ambush against your words. Do not lend to a man who is stronger than you, but if you do lend anything, be as one who has lost it. Do not give surety beyond your means, but if you give surety, be concerned as one who must pay. Do not go to law against a judge for the decision will favor him because of his standing. Do not travel on the road with a foolhardy fellow, lest he be burdensome to you, for he will act as he pleases and through his folly, you will perish with him. Do not fight with a wrathful man and do not cross the wilderness with him, because blood is as nothing in his sight, and where no help is at hand, he will strike you down. Do not consult with a fool, for he will not be able to keep a secret. In the presence of a stranger, do nothing that is to be kept secret, for you do not know what he will divulge, Do not reveal your thoughts to everyone, lest you drive away your good luck. Do not contend with a powerful man, lest you fall into his hands. Do not quarrel with a rich man, lest his resources outweigh yours. For gold has ruined many and has perverted the minds of kings. This is like what our Lord says when he speaks of when you set out, you see your enemy is coming towards you with double the forces you have. Think carefully, make a deal with them, like think it through. And when you plan to build something, figure out, do I have enough to complete it? We we do need to listen to our hearts, but we need to listen to our heads even more. Think it through. Practical ways we have to navigate through this world And so although we are constantly on the way to the heavenly Jerusalem, we're working our way through Babylon the Great. And we need to think carefully of what we do. Do not contend with a powerful man, lest you fall into his hands. And yet sometimes a person who is a faithful disciple of the Lord does need to contend with those who are powerful. It's just simply don't go over and run into the machine guns directly. Try to find a way of going around them. That is probably very wise and what the Lord calls us to do. But he does not call us to be timid about facing injustice. After all, speaking truth to power is the role of the prophet. The wise man tells us some warnings here about how to do it, but we also have to listen to the prophet and the two of them together. If we simply are the prophet, we go rushing off and we may not accomplish the will of the Lord. But if we are too much listening to the wise man, we may simply lapse into cowardice. So we've got to keep them together in our minds. And which is more important, prophecy or wisdom? The answer to that is yes. So do not contend with a powerful man lest you fall into his hands. Or if you must contend with those who are powerful, think it through how to do it. Do not quarrel with a rich man lest his resources outweigh yours. For gold has ruined many and has perverted the minds of kings. You know, the cynical way of looking at the golden rule is the one who has the gold makes the rules. And in this fallen world, that is too often true. It is not as it should be. And we must on our way to Jerusalem seek to find a world in which the common good is what governs society. But we have to keep an eye on what is there in the world around us. Cast a cold eye on life, on death, but not to be governed by cynicism. Although we need to see all of this, we cannot let our hearts be corrupted by cynicism because we simply become lesser people. We must keep a fire, the hope that comes to us from the gospel of the Lord Jesus and keep an eye on a world in which it is true Do not quarrel with a rich man, lest his resources outweigh yours. For gold has ruined many and has perverted the minds of kings. That's where we are called to serve the Lord in such a world, not in Never Never Land, not in some ideal world which doesn't exist. We are called to serve the Lord with purity and with integrity in a world where very often, too often, These forces, which Sirach speaks of, are very strong. And we need to be aware of that, but not let that fact temper our hope and the joy and the zeal with which we serve the Lord. But we need to keep an eye on it. Let's just offer that now before the Lord and spend a moment in prayer. What are the ways in my own life in which I am facing these dark forces? And how can I keep filled with joy, serve the Lord with gladness, come before him singing for joy, while at the same time I keep an eye, a wise eye on the dark and corrupt forces that we must deal with in this world? Do not argue with a chatterer, nor heap wood on his fire. You know, there we are. Do not argue with a chatterer, or heap wood on his fire. Sometimes the best thing is just to back off. Of course, people might be saying that about you or me. There's the chatterer. We may want to heap wood on our fire. So let's think about that. In many words, there is not wisdom. That's why one of the greatest, uh, well, one of the greatest spiritual books I've seen ever is called The Power of Silence by the great Cardinal Sarah. The Power of Silence. In a lot of chattering, there is not a lot of wisdom very often. Wisdom is long experience expressed in short expressions. And where we fill the void with chatter, what's the point? And the chatter can be words, the chatter can be musical or efforts at music. Sometimes we have to keep the chatter going and we don't feel safe. It's kind of a cloud like Muzak that surrounds us and there's nothing there. I remember Years ago when I was a seminarian, I was a camp counselor at a summer camp for little children. And I remember coming into the cabin where the counselors were were staying and there was a radio on with nobody in the room, just the music, sound of music, but nothing there, no one there. So I turned it off. I didn't particularly like it. And someone came in, turned it back on again and then left the room. (laughs) They had to know it was chattering. So do not argue with a chatterer, nor heap wood on his fire. We get into these frivolous discussions. Of course, we all have frivolous discussions and, you know, you can chatter a bit. Sometimes chattering too, of course, gets a bit toxic. Where we just simply not are saying useless things, what a chatterer says, but sometimes very negative things. Sometimes communication is not the best thing because we use communication to destroy the reputations of others. So we've got to watch that. But just this silly speech all the time. We should think. This is what the whole book of Sirach says. We should think what is worthwhile, what is not. Let us live intentionally, not just chatter, 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 chatter. throwing wood on the fire (laughs) and it just burns up and there's nothing left but ashes. At the end of the chatterer's fire are ashes. And we've got to have a lot more than that. We need to leave, we shouldn't be serious about ourselves. We should take ourselves lightly. That's why Chesterton says the angels can fly because they take themselves lightly. But we should not get caught up with just, you know, how much of my life is pouring wood on it, on the fire of a chatterer. I think of that because, you know, I start the day very often, I hope to say with, Prayer. Well, first a cup of coffee and then prayer. Um, because, as you know, it is forbidden to have coffee while you pray, but you may pray when you're having coffee. But sometimes I get caught up in a modern chatterer. Uh, the, um, uh, you know, tweeting and twittering. I've never tweeted, just in a tweet, pa. But the, the, the twittering, just watching these things, you can spend hours on that stuff just flipping around so much of this technological chatter. You wonder what's there at the end of it all. Sometimes I go down early in the morning and kind of an early morning rise and I look at the newspapers and I think how much time do I spend and what do I remember at the end of the day or even half an hour later of what I've read. You know, I think it was Mark Twain who somebody said the role of an editor is to separate the wheat from the chaff and print the chaff. So that's what Sirach is talking about here. We can, I don't want to be attacking newspapers or Twitter or any of these things, but let's think about it. So let's think of that kind of thing. Do not argue with a chatterer, nor heap wood on his fire. What does that mean in my own experience? Do not jest with an ill-bred person lest your ancestors be disgraced. This is probably somebody who's just a nasty person, someone who's ill-bred. We're not sure what that means. This was all designed to help people be served at the royal court. So people who are just kind of, the kind of people who write in comm boxes for blocks. Ill-bred person lest your ancestors be disgraced. You know, people who are just, some people are just venting, ill-bred. And so why do we have that in our life? So sometimes the best thing to do is just back away. Because we can all get caught up in that, and we can all want to be involved in that. Lest your ancestors be disgraced. And then Sirach turns to some very profound matters to touch the heart of each one of us. Having backed away from the rich, the powerful and the chatterers and the ill-bred who are kind of the furniture of, of the world. We hope we're not that to other people. Do not reproach a man who is turning away from sin. Remember that we all deserve punishment. Do not reproach a man who is turning away from sin. Remember that we all deserve punishment. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. That is one of the best prayers there is. We all deserve punishment. So if somebody is struggling, let's cut them some slack. That's what Sirach I think is saying. Don't be rebuking a person, reproaching a man who's turning away from sin, he's trying to do better. Maybe not perfect, but who is perfect? The great thing about wisdom literature is that there's a lot of humility in it. The danger with prophecy is when we think we're saying thus says the Lord. It may be thus I say and the Lord dusts it over. We think he does. So there can be the true prophet must be humble. The false prophet get caught up a lot in being a prophet. But the humble, the, the wise person usually knows, you know, we're all pretty frail. The prophet looks from the mountaintop, the sage, the wise person from the valley. Though you see here, don't reproach a man who's turning away from sin. Remember, we all deserve punishment. That's why it's so good to get to confession regularly. Bless me, Father, for I have sinned. If I can truly say that deep in my heart, perhaps I can be a little more compassionate to the people around me whose sins I see so much more clearly that I see my own. Do not reproach a man who is turning away from sin. Remember, we all deserve punishment. Do not disdain a man when he is old, for some of us are growing old. How we say, you know, growing old is not so bad when you consider the alternative. But there we are. I love this way. There's one thing about wisdom writings. They're always kind of funny because you, you can remember something better if it's funny. Also, you can remember bad things if they're funny. That's why the worst thing is not to be uncharitable The worst thing is to be uncharitable and witty, because that sticks. But do not disdain a man when he is old, for some of us are growing old. You know, we're all gonna face when we see weakness develops as the years go by, they tell me, we begin to get a little, things begin to go, you know, the back goes, the eyes go, everything goes. And so, you know, we're all pretty frail. So let's, um, we're going to be there, each one of us. If we see someone who's frail when they're old, we're going to be there soon. There's a wonderful poem. I can't remember the exact wording, but I remember I went, went to an old people's home and you may have seen it. It's, um, it's, it's sort of the voice of a person who is really very frail right now and not what they used to be when they were, when they were a teenager, let's say. And it is sort of, remember me. I now am very frail, but once I was a teenager, once I was in my twenties and I did this once I would Just remember our whole self needs to be there. So let's be a little more compassionate. And that's a good voice of wisdom. Do not rejoice over anyone's death. Remember that we must all die. You know, death and taxes, those are the two certain things, death. That's why, you know, the great St. John Fisher, who is kind of my hero in my own particular vocation as a bishop. I've got um, three kind of heroes for my own life. One is St. John Fisher, the other is St. Charles Borromeo, and the other is St. Francis de Sales, who also I'm I'm following in their vocation as bishops. But St. John Fisher had a, a skull on his desk. That's kind of a grim thing to do. You say, well, we know he did because when Henry VIII's uh, crooked uh, officers came to rob whatever they could of St. John Fisher when they, just when he was executed by the evil king, that's what they found. They, they very, like a lot of dictators, Henry VIII was very punctilious in keeping records. So we have exact records. And they say there was a skull on the desk of John Fisher. And maybe that's why he was able to be so, serene when he faced the evil king because really we're all gonna die you know so let's just live each day faithful and true and think of the John Fisher's friend Thomas More and Richard Rich who sold his soul to become Lord Lieutenant of Wales or something and uh, he lived about 10 years 20 years 30 years maybe more than Thomas More and John Fisher, but really did he live at all? This is what in the apocalypse is called the second death. What we die before we die, the the dying that is within, the dying that is external we all go through. So we should be ready now and at the hour of our death to ask forgiveness for our sins. Do not slight the discourse of the sages but busy yourself with their maxims, because from them you will gain instruction and learn how to serve great men." We see here the context of a lot of the wisdom writing. These were instructions for people who were going to be serving great men. They would be officials, officers of the court of the king. But it goes for all of us as well. Do not slight the discourse of the sages but busy yourself with their maxims. I think it was G.K. Chesterton who said something, he always says wonderful things, something like tradition is the democracy of the dead, that the wisdom of the ages, Life, the life's so short, the craft so long to learn. None of us lives long enough to gain wisdom And so we may gain a bit of it through experience. And we hope that as we get older, we'll be wiser, but it's no guarantee for that. Sometimes, remember, Solomon was wise when he was a teenager and a fool when he got older. So was King Lear. So we we don't have a guarantee any of us is going to get particularly wise. We need all the help we can get. So let's thankfully take advantage of the wisdom of the sages, the discourse of the sages. Books like the book of Sirach or the Book of Proverbs, or Ecclesiastes, or the great works of wisdom and the tradition. When people either directly or figuratively burn the library of tradition, they become, well, it's amnesia. We lose our knowledge of where we've been, and we lose our knowledge of who we are. And so do not slight the discourse of the sages, but busy yourself with their maxims because from them you'll gain instruction and learn how to serve great men. We need to read wisdom so we don't get it in our own experience soon enough. And of course, the other benefit of learning from the wisdom of the sages is that it's, we get it without pain you know, my, I remember my first spiritual director said, knowledge makes a bloody entry. We all get knowledge that way, but it's better to get it by reading a book. <laughs> you know, we can get more of it. And as long as we pay attention and, and apply it, like get it down into gritty reality and see how it, uh, how it works. And always you notice the words of the sages, you have a kind of contrary thing. It's like some already here, but you know, look before you leap. He who hesitates is lost. We just have to know which time to use one and which time to use the other. (laughs) you know. But let's get it. Because we need it. All of us, we need it so much. Do not disregard the discourse of the aged, for they themselves learn from their fathers, because from them you will gain understanding and learn how to give an answer in time of need. That's why it's so good to listen to those who have gone before us and who have experience youth and age both bring great gifts and they're needed i remember once there was a religious order that put its old people's home for the old priests right next to the seminary so the young seminarians would have good contact with the old priests and i kind of did that in edmonton when i turned the uh there was the, the home for retired priests is on the property of the pastoral center. And I didn't have Archbishop Smith very beautifully constructed and completed the seminary. But I made the decision to, I thought it'd be good to have the seminary there on the on the grounds right next to the pastoral center and the retirement home for priests. We, the young need the old, the old need the young. If we have a world with stresses too much the young, we have too much brittleness and violence and kind of energy unguided. If we have a world that stresses too much the old, then we do not have the energy and the hope and that. So we need them both together. We all need one another. That's why it was said somewhere that civilization walks, warriors ride, but civilization travels at a walking pace because only with a walking pace, can we find the old and the children together. And that's what we need for civilization. Do not kindle the coals of a sinner, lest you be burned with his flaming fire. Oof. Yeah. Just we've got to be a little careful. If we're dealing with someone who's a little dangerous and a little maybe gone over into some stuff we are a little troubled about, just we've got to be a bit careful. Don't kindle the fires, the coals of a sinner, because you might get burned by the fire. So, like, don't rattle the cage too much. Just be careful. But think it through. Again, all of these things have to be placed in a context, because it may be another situation where we do whatever. Do not kindle the coals of a sinner, lest you be burned in his flaming fire. Do not get up and leave an insolent fellow, lest he lie in ambush against your words. Never leave the room. One of the great principles of negotiation, don't leave the room. Don't get up and leave an insolent fellow or you're going to find, what's that? Oh, it's the arrows in my back or the knives. Do not get up and leave an insolent fellow. I guess there are insolent fellows. We just hope and pray others don't think of you and me as insolent fellows, but let's be sure we're not. Do not get up and leave an insolent fellow, lest he lie in ambush against your words. Or when we leave, we're out of the room. How often does this happen? Somebody leaves and you and I can be insolent. We can start talking about the one who's left. That's why St. Augustine had at his table the sign, anyone who speaks of a person not present must leave the table. That's very hard to do because we sometimes have to talk about people who are not present. And sometimes in some roles you have to do it in a way that is somewhat penetrating and sharp, but we must always be careful about what the motivation is. And think of that, do not leave an insolent fellow, lest he lie in ambush against your words. Do not lend to a man who's stronger than you, but if you do lend anything, be as one who has lost it. That's a good thing, you know. When you lend something, just wave it goodbye. If it comes back, great. That's gravy, that's good, you know. But don't, don't be worrying about that. Although it's interesting, Ben Franklin, who certainly was an example of a wise man, he said the best way to establish a friendship with someone who you think may not like you is to loan them something or to borrow from them because you show a dependency upon them which may open the doors of their heart. Think about it. So, but basically don't lend to a man who's stronger. You're not gonna get it back. Do not give surety beyond your means. Don't be going countersigning things or whatever because you're, you're gonna find out You better be ready to pay because it may not work out. These are all kind of it's not cynical. It's just practical. And, you know, it's just like what was the thing that Reagan used to say? Trust, but verify, which uh, is the approach of the wise person. Do not go to law against a judge, for the decision will favor him because of his standing. This is sort of like do not contend with a powerful man. We just got to use our heads and think it through. Do not travel on the road with a foolhardy fellow, lest he be burdensome to you. Oh, no. Can you imagine? And just hope that people, when we're traveling with them, don't look upon you or me as the foolhardy fellow. Oh, my gosh, what am I going to be finished? You know, <laughs> when will he go? You know, he will act as he pleases and through his folly you will perish with him. So just be careful. You know, we've got to be careful of the company we keep and... We hope the people aren't too careful of keeping company with you or me. He will act as he pleases and through his folly. I mean, you can get, a lot of this happens, of course, tragically. A lot of people, you know, the, the sometimes young people, old people too, you know, you go off to some party or something with somebody who's really an idiot, and then they do something stupid and not everyone gets caught up in it. That's what they're talking about here. Don't get on the road with a foolhardy fellow. And it looks, it gets worse though. Do not fight with a wrathful man. and Do not cross the wilderness with him. Don't be alone with him. Because blood is nothing in his sight. And where no help is at hand, he will strike you down. It's like Cain and Abel. You know? but this is real. I mean, there are places, wildernesses that aren't far away. There, there's violence around. You're going to get mugged, you know? Well, think of the man going down to Jericho. This is not a new thing. So we've got to think of that. Do not consult with a fool, for he will not be able to keep a secret. And this is, remember earlier on when it talks about friendship in the previous passage we meditated on? How keeping a secret, trusting someone with what you you say Is a very important thing. Do not consult with a fool. And in the wisdom writings, they're always saying the wise man and the fool. These are the two extremes. And um, do not be a fool, obviously. And we have to learn ourselves. The point of the wisdom writings is not only that we avoid fools around us, but we avoid the fool in the mirror. When we don't become fools ourselves. So do not consult with a fool. I mean, we've got to be sensible because, and the thing that we fear in a fool, the thing most very often feared in this wisdom writing is that our secrets will be betrayed. This, we have all have things, legitimate things, which are deep within our hearts. And when someone enters into our life, or we enter the life of another person, then they trust us very much and we trust them. And so this breaking of confidence, this breaking of faithfulness, this breaking the spreading of secrets is a very, that kills a friendship. Remember earlier on in the past, there's a lot of things, a fight with a friend will survive. You can survive, the friendship will take on. There's no problem. All kinds of problems with a friend, but a betrayal of a confidence game over. It's not quite the words to Sirach, but that's, that's it. So do not consult with a fool, for he will not be able to keep a secret. In the presence of a stranger, do nothing that is to be kept secret, for you, will, you do not know what he will divulge. This is very easy to get into, you know, especially if we like to chatter, like the chatterer in the early part of this passage. You know, why do we talk so much? Why do we do this? saying things which we really shouldn't say in the company we're in because as he says do not consult with a dude in the presence of a stranger do nothing that is to be kept secret for you will not know what he will divulge well you know sometimes we talk a lot in the presence of strangers to show we're important or we are in the know i know something you don't know if i know something you don't know i have power you don't have so let me show you what I know. We can blab about stuff, which really, we should always think, when we're talking about things, especially important things, we need to think a bit more carefully. Is it really appropriate in this context to be speaking this way? It can be very innocent, of course. We can just blab on about all kinds of stuff, and we can become a blatherer of, of, you know, chatterbox or whatever chatterer. But really, that's not so wise. And it's sometimes disrespectful of people who have entrusted things to us. So we've got to just be careful, but it's very hard. Of course, what makes us harder is the second glass of wine. You know, in vino veritas, well, in vino blabbing. That's why a very wise person once, they would always put ice cubes in their wine. That's the smartest move. Very smart. When nobody else did. That's wise. Now we gotta watch it. You know, just a little careful. Do not reveal your thoughts to everyone, lest you drive away your good luck. You know, good luck comes amazingly to people who work hard and who who are wise. Do not divulge your thoughts to everyone. You know, there's a certain reticence. When, when you get someone who just tells you right off everything about them, we shouldn't do that. I mean, is there nothing sacred? If every one of us is an open book to everyone in every way, there's something a little odd about that. There is a sacredness in things which are deep within the heart. And to be always uh, this idea, which is kind of favored by our modern culture, that two seconds into a conversation, you're supposed to know everything about the other person. There's a a crassness about that. And there is an absolute stupidity about that as well. Do not reveal your thoughts to everyone, (laughs) lest you drive away your good luck. That's a lot of sense there. So maybe we should all be a little Now, we can't be all uptight and paranoid, like, hmm, I don't dare say anything, or be having thinking every, before every word comes out, we analyze, is this wise, is it not, is it why? You know, it'd be nuts if we did that, that would be just too much. But just a certain wisdom we need to have, each one of us. You know, and probably it is generally, we rarely regret the things we didn't say. We rarely, now there's always the other side, was called l'esprit d'escalier or something, where we're coming up the, after the witty gathering in the party down below, we're going up the staircase and we think of the thing we wished we'd said. That's another thing. But I w- don't worry about that. The thing is we rarely regret what we didn't say. So measure twice, cut once, think twice, speak once. One mouth, two ears, good proportion. And he's very wise on this. So let's just think about it now. Here we go. Do not contend with a powerful man, lest you fall into his hands. Do not quarrel with a rich man, lest his resources outweigh yours. For gold has ruined many and has perverted the minds of kings. Do not argue with a chatterer nor heap wood on his fire. Do not jest with an ill-bred person lest your ancestors be disgraced. Do not reproach a man who is turning away from sin. Remember that we all deserve punishment. Do not disdain a man when he is old. For some of us are growing old. Do not rejoice over anyone's death. Remember that we all must die. Do not slight the discourse of the sages, but busy yourself with their maxims, because from them you will gain instruction and learn how to serve great men. Do not disregard the discourse of the aged for they themselves learn from their fathers, because from them you will gain understanding and learn how to give an answer in time of need. Do not kindle the coals of a sinner, lest you be burned in his flaming fire. Do not get up and leave an insolent fellow, lest he lie in ambush against your words. Do not lend it to a man who is stronger than you, and if you do lend anything, be as one who has lost it. Do not give surety beyond your means, but if you give surety, be concerned as one who must pay. Do not go to law against a judge, for the decision will favor him because of his standing. Do not travel on the road with a foolhardy fellow lest he be burdensome to you, for he will act as he pleases and through his folly, you will perish with him. Do not fight with a wrathful man and do not cross the wilderness with him because blood is as nothing in his sight and where no help is at hand, he will strike you down. Do not consult with a fool. For he will not be able to keep a secret. In the presence of a stranger do nothing that is to be kept secret for you do not know what he will divulge. Do not reveal your thoughts to everyone lest you drive away your good luck.